So, for those just tuning in, welcome, happy to have you. And you might not know that this is the second part of last week's episode, also called The Art of Arneth Bernard Fish. If you would like to know more context to the story, be a doll and listen to that episode first, and then come back to this one to finish up the rest of the story. That way, too, you can help me hit the 2,000 listen mark, which I am so close to doing, and my OCD will also love you forever. If not, it's fine. I'll just be passive-aggressive about it if I see you in public and... You tell me first, because that would be weird if I just came in swinging with the fact that I know who you are. Is that thought weird for anyone else? Is it awkward? Borealis Entertainment presents Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home A Podcast Memoir by M.K. Law Chapter 4 The Art of Arneth Bernard Fish Continued The Globetrotter and I drove over the rocky dirt path for about an hour or so until we came across two trailers off to the side and parked so the two would meet at a 90 degree angle. The trailers were truly hidden out in the desert, further than I had even been in the six years that I lived in that town. The Globetrotter had informed me while we were getting out of the car that this was the final home of his Uncle Arneth Fish. The desert was always his home, it was the entire family's home, but Fish was a man who seemed to take pride in his off-grid approach to life. The trailers were very much split into separate purposes, initially. One was his actual abode that was very much modest but plentiful. The other was completely devoted to his art and practically filled to the brim with the inner workings of his mind. Up to the end of his life, it was more like he lived where he could. As I had mentioned in the previous episode, the Globetrotter's objective was to collect as much art as we could into my Subaru and bring them back to his art studio in order to set them up as an exhibition in Kansas City. As we approached the trailers, I now hoped that the Globetrotter wasn't too emotionally attached to all of his pieces, because I didn't know how to inform him that I drove a Crosstrek and not a ground outback and couldn't fit everything that was in both trailers. By the time we hit the black curtains of the first trailer, I was happy with the notion that he was a painter and occasionally a sculptor. If it was enough to fit in a trailer, it was enough to be negotiated for my car. That's when we met our visitor. As the Globetrotter pulled back the curtain, literally, a black abstract shape zoomed out of the trailer and dashed into the desert we got to bear witness a black cat trying to flex its squatter's rights, but I've heard they're good luck in Ireland, so I'm going to invest my mental money towards that thought and say that we had a very successful time. The trailer itself was practically bursting at the seams with art. Paintings, sketches, value studies, ceramics, sculptures, you name it, it was probably in there. And we were only in the first trailer. And his subjects were interesting. I mean, yes, he had done a few model portraits because of the value studies, but about 99% of all of his paintings were completely abstract. They were splatted into a chaotic order like a Pollock, but they still had a uniform focus point for themselves. Whenever you saw one, your eye had a starting point which never always rung true for that many abstracts. And it could be something of a turnoff for the casual spectator. All that to say, when it opens up, do yourself a favor and go to Kansas City. 
and I was surprised by how much we were able to collect. It ultimately became a productive pursuit, filling the car with paintings and blanket-wrapped potteries. The Globetrotter had climbed his way through the hidden treasures and sifted through all the colors and textures to find the finest of the bunch, while I looked around what was originally the driver's seat for the same, and then collected his shares and my shares to place them reverently in the back seat. We managed to catch the collections just as the sun was setting, and the Globetrotter was even kind enough to let me collect one of the paintings for my own as a souvenir, and we returned back to the studio to keep everything reserved, and then we moved on to our place of rest for the night. That place of rest happened to be the Globetrotter's living uncle's trailer on the premises of Three Peaks Oasis. And don't worry, he worked there, he wasn't invading any property. Now, this place is most interesting, because of all the years I was there, this was not. At least not to my knowledge. Three Peaks Oasis is essentially party central for Cedar City. Dirt bike races, concerts, a small lake, all the bells and whistles that Southern Utah has to offer. So I've heard. I've only seen the Oasis through commercials, YouTube videos, and a marriage of moonlight and campfire. At night, this pleasure island in the sand is illuminated by color-hanging lights, the occasional flashlight, a full moon, and warming flames. Nothing else. And while the radio was still booming across the dirt and water, painting the stillness with Dirt on Your Shoulders by Jay-Z and a nightclub remix of Heads Will Roll by Ya Ya Ya's to name a couple of songs, along with some African drumming played by one of the members of the Globetrotters family, we seemed to travel from one hidden world in the desert to another. We studied the ramp that was constructed to send the guests into the lake, the racetracks they were digging out, and the luxurious RV that his uncle called home. It was something that really rung true with me. A place that feels like no one knows except the people that are already there. That was the thought that lulled me to sleep that night. The next morning, the Globetrotter had told me that we were going to visit another character from his childhood. Someone who not only lived off-grid, but one who lived off-grid in style. I'm going to change his name because I would assume that even if I didn't do that, he would appreciate it tenfold. Not to mention, that's very fitting for a man who lives in the desert. So we'll call this character Mountain Man Dan. The Globetrotter will know exactly who this is because it's very similar to his nickname. So I took him to the outskirts of this new land within the land and we parked just off the edge of the main road and a few feet before the main gate, which were quite open for someone so closed off from the world. The Globetrotter had known him since he was a child, so we were thankfully more than welcome. So welcomed that the Globetrotter yelled out valiantly, Mountain Man Dan! Nothing. So he yelled out a little louder, Mountain Man Dan! That one was responded with a faint but bold, what the fuck are you making so much noise for? I can't hear my fucking stereo! The stereo was performing the greatest hits of the Rolling Stones, starting with Mother's Little Helper. Mountain Man Dan emerged out of what was ultimately a house he managed to build himself, even down to the silo-based plumbing and gorgeously giant windows, and we were allowed an exterior tour of the territory. The house, shaped like a flying saucer from the 50s, was dug about 10 to 12 feet into the ground with a sloping entryway for his truck. Around it was a garden he had made where he showed us every plant, every leaf, every ant trail, every hoof print of every deer that came around for a quick treat. 
Mountain Man Dan was so observant of the garden that he knew which antril went to which colony and which deer walked by like they were his neighbors. Because they were his neighbors. Some would say that this would be a detour, but there was such a unique fascination to this that it only seemed fitting to our journey and everything leading up to it thus far. Once we were done with our visit, we traveled to his sister's apartment. A humble place to stay with homemade hamburgers and a typewriter accompanied with lined paper. In the privacy of the Globetrotter's sister's apartment, I was grateful to participate in a family tradition they had that's actually one of the best exercises a writer can do. The first writer writes whatever they want, specifically whatever they feel inspired to say in that moment. And they write until they are no longer inspired to say anything else and leave the typewriter. That's all they say. That's all they do. Then the next person comes up and writes whatever they feel inspired by, so long as they use the last two lines the previous person wrote as a prompt. Then the process carries on until everyone in the room has written something. Then you find the person with the best voice and you share it. I don't remember very much of that story other than I believe it was about a couple on a date and then they were suddenly about to be abducted by aliens and then they were suddenly negotiating on getting out of the abduction and being sent back to Earth. It, it didn't make sense. But it just had to be fun. And there was a liberating joy to the brilliant act of not saying no. But that is not the reason why I share this story. So, why do I? At first, I was going to make this one episode just all kind of condensed into a 20 or 30 minute period of time on how even though I didn't get to where I wanted to be, I still manifested something similar in some way. But I think by doing that, I wouldn't encompass everything valuable about this journey. And I didn't even really know what that was until I started writing the second part of this episode. And for me, that was being open to accept a call to adventure. The Globetrotter is a fantastic character in my personal story for a lot of reasons, but for that very reason especially. I don't always say yes, but he gives that call from time to time. And I wound up getting that in this trip tenfold. And honestly, I had no idea what I was getting into. I just knew I was going to see him and that I trusted him. Despite staying in the same area and basically the same town, we wound up traveling to what was essentially five completely different worlds. The storage unit with a secret art studio inside it, a trailer full of the art of a former cook for Area 51, a barren party venue for college students, a house shaped like a UFO built by the man who lived there, and an apartment where writers congregated and improvised. And at first, I had never grown up in a position where I could just drop whatever I was doing and go with him. But by conditioning myself to save up money and prioritize a trip, I now tell my subconscious, hey, this is important, so let's make it happen. Now, as a hypnotherapist, there's a few techniques that I do. One of them is journaling. And if you're in the position of, I want to travel somewhere, but I'm scared, or I can't afford to take time off to do this, I would recommend that you write an affirmation or visualize yourself being there. 
but, and this is where a lot of people get this wrong, do it before you go to sleep, and there's a very specific reason for that. That feeling you get when you're drowsy but you're not fully asleep is actually a kind of hypnosis. We're in that hypnotic trance way more than people realize, and that's one of the most common. Other examples include driving from one place to another, and you don't remember the travel in between, and watching a movie that you're extremely invested in. Those are both examples of hypnosis. Though, I recommend doing it just before you fall asleep because sleep is more common than driving. Driving is more common than watching a movie, and watching a movie is more common than watching a movie you're actually interested in. So, write an affirmation or imagine yourself where you want to go as you're falling asleep. And what that does is it introduces that idea as important into your subconscious directly. The, it doesn't have to go through the filter that's in between your conscious and subconscious mind. It just goes straight under the hood. What that turned into for me was I introduced the want for an adventure and a want to visit with the Globetrotter, but I didn't actually introduce the want to travel to Kansas City because I never visualized myself actually in Kansas City. This is also another reason why it's so important to be specific when you write affirmations or visualizations. I didn't see myself in Kansas City, I just saw myself traveling. Now, people can make the argument that that was just me accepting a half-assed result because I got everything but the location, but to quote something that popped into my head at the gym, it could have happened anywhere, but it just happened to be there, when you wish upon a star, read the terms and conditions. When I took a look at what I was asking for, that's exactly what I got, because that's what I convinced the subconscious to be important. If I specified it further, I know I would have had the conviction to keep pursuing Kansas City. But also being a Carl Jung fan, I would also cite this as a synchronicity, where just by pure happenstance, I wound up getting to spend time with the Globetrotter in a place that we were both familiar with, almost kind of meeting a middle ground, and I had that call to adventure over and over and over again within the span of a weekend. But. It can't last forever, and even though everybody left separately and quietly that next morning, we all said goodbye that evening before. We went back to the storage units in the Globetrotter's art studio to say our goodbyes to Papa, and Papa came up and hugged the Globetrotter, and he came up with a giggle, and he kissed me. Don't worry, it was on the cheek. Why? Because Papa's a professional. We didn't linger on our goodbyes, that didn't seem like the way of this family. But as we closed the door to Papa's smoke-filled office, I turned around and said what I thought was the most appropriate thing to say. Thank you for the experience. And thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home. I hope this episode leaves you better than it found you. And if you're looking to break down mental barriers to get to where you want to be, whether that's a trip or a goal or something else, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at mklotprohobbyist, and I would love to help in any way I can. Thank you as always. Love y'all. And until next time, here's to finding your way.